0: Everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey Podcast with your host, Emma Daughter.
1: Thanks for joining. I am in the podcast studio with today's Devo writer, Mr. Paul Fiegel. Hey guys. And Paul, you've you've been on the podcast before, Second Corinthians 5, way back, way, way back, episode 64, when we'd really just gotten started. And so today. You brought somebody with you. Who'd you bring?
0: Yeah, I got my better half with me, Mandy Fiegel.
1: woo <laughs> She's here. She's glad to be here. I want to know, I know you shared a little bit about you, how you came to know the Lord back in episode 64.
2: I want to know how you guys met. What's the story here? So we met, I was born in Minnesota. and for Minnesota? Oh, Minnesota, yes. Are you from Minnesota?
0: Skull Vikings.
2: Nope. So we met in Abilene, Texas when I decided to... Be a wildcat at Abilene Christian University because I like scratch them. Is that what y'all say? Yes, scratch them cats, because I like the color purple. So, anyways, I that's out- why you chose. And there, there are a few reasons, but okay. we'll stick with that. All right. Uh, so we were in five out of five classes together, studying accounting, studying pre med. Oh, yes, I made a hard. There's been a lot of hard shifts, left turns changes in my life. Yes. Okay, but uh. Paul was kind of a quiet, mysterious guy in all of the classes, and he really intrigued me, so I stalked him for a while, oh, honestly. What do you mean by that? I knew when he went to the gym, I knew, you know, like, so you what just classes con- he had, I knew where he was going to be, and I just, like, inserted myself into his life. You just conveniently showed up? Yeah. At the gym? All the time, yes. Did you work out before that? Uh, well, I played soccer, and so I was in the gym quite frequently, okay. but I would know, like, oh, he's he's over there lifting weights, you know. So Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Hi, Paul. I lift weights, too. <laughs> I lift weights, too. So that's how we met. It took him about eight months to ask me on a date, but the rest is history. Now you're married. Now we're married. Happily married.
0: Yeah. Now we're married. Been married uh, about five and a half years now. Um, we've lived in Dallas for three, been members at Watermark. Dallas uh, for that time and um, one of the things that areas that we like to serve most in is with the great questions team they meet every Monday night from 730 to 830 and what do they do and so great questions team what do you guys do I guess Uh, so we support the facilitators who is a a group of just members that have done some theological training whether on their own or through um, some seminary classes but a lot of them have found faith in God through um, seeking Him through different apologetic ministries or having someone come alongside them when they were non-believers in Christ. Um, They had other people come alongside them, answer questions that they had, walk that journey with them until um, they put their faith in Christ. And so now they love to do that for other people.
1: I love it. That's awesome. Which I would say there's probably a lot of questions... From today's chapter, that show up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we give the flood story usually a make it a G rated story. It's in some kids' picture books. I remember one from when I was a kid.
2: My bedroom had the ark and animals <laughs> ringing all around it yeah. on the wall, mm-hmm, on the wall.
0: It's incredible. Yeah, um, and. But I think when we really slow down and actually read the story from start to finish, and even today, you know, we're stopping halfway through the story, um, it's certainly not G-rated. And I think when we pay attention to that um, and what the Scripture is telling us, at least on the surface level, um, for the honest reader, I think it can bring up a lot of questions. And those are things that I think that we have the wrong idea sometimes about faith and questions and thinking that they're incompatible. Um, But at the end of the day, I think that God really wants us to have a faith and trust in Him that's gritty, that we're not afraid to bring questions to Him or questions to the people that He's placed around us in our lives, and that we don't need to be threatened by people's questions either, and that God's Word is His inspired Word, and it's something that has stood the test of time and will continue to do so. Um, So I think it's a mark of faith that we trust God and His character and aren't afraid to Engage in those questions,
1: yeah. I know you had so from today's reading assignment, Genesis six nine through seven twenty four yeah, you had three kind of main ideas you wanted to talk through, yeah. What's the first one?
0: Yeah, the first one, I'll kick it to you, Mandy, um because her devotional was a little bit about it with Enoch. But there's three people who are described as those who walked with God so far in the story so far. So um Mandy, why don't you take it from there?
2: Yeah, we had Adam and Eve who walked with God in the garden. And then we see Enoch, who walks with God, and then the Bible says that he was no more because he was taken um, after walking with God. And then we have Noah, who is described as a righteous man who walked with God. And that phrase of walking with God, it's, it's very clear that these three uh, instances that are pointed out, these are not the norm. You know, these are the righteous people that have a deep relationship and a depth of intimacy with God. And you're talking specifically Genesis 6, verse 9. Yeah. The very first verse. Yep. Cool. Yep. So walking with God, and that just got me thinking, what, is it, what does it mean to walk with God? Because if these are righteous people that we're looking to, what, what would that look like for a believer today to walk with God? And I think oftentimes, even in our Christian circles, we can hear phrases like running hard after God or... uh yeah, like running at the same pace can be some phrases that are common in Christian circles. But when someone's described as someone who walks with God, you just get an idea of a slow and steady. Mm. There's time to breathe. There's time to get to know each other. It's not a, it's less focused. It's not a sprint. Yeah, it's not a sprint. It's less focused on the action and more on the relationship is what that mm. speaks to me. And so I think this year I've learned a lot about slowing down my pace and focusing on, God being the end goal rather than things being the end goal that I'm doing for God rather than with God. So just to focus on walking with God instead of getting out of step and just assuming what I know uh, that I know what is best to do and going and taking that on quickly. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, when you said you said for a second there, um,
1: that's that's what this verse speaks to me. Hmm. When you use that phrase, this yeah. speaks to me in that way. Do you mean? This is the application that I drew from it. Yes. Walking with God means very yes. closely. Yeah,
2: so as, as I'm reading this and trying to see, okay, what did the authors intend for this to mean? Uh, and I see a, in there a, a slowness and there's something different about these people that are walking with God. And so how does that apply to my life is that I would like to be someone who walks with God rather than gets on out ahead of him. Cool.
0: All right,
1: Paul. What's the <laughs> second one?
0: Uh, The second one is just, um, if you do a quick search of uh, figuring out where Noah is otherwise mentioned in the Bible, he's mentioned three times in the Old Testament and three times in the New. And the one that stuck out to me was in Hebrews 11.7. The author of Hebrews is talking about a great cloud of witnesses. Um, And he includes Noah in that list. And later in the passage, um, it describes that, Noah saw himself as a stranger in exile on the earth and that he was seeking a better homeland. Um, And I think that even in this story of the flood, um, Jesus even took this story of the flood as a way to tell people that, hey, there's going to be a day that I'm coming back and it's going to be sudden and you're not going to expect it. So in Matthew 24, 37 through 39, He's talking about people People all around you are going to be eating, drinking, taking in the pleasures of the world, um, and I'm going to return when it's not expected, um, just as it was in the days of Noah when the flood came. And the when thinking about like what scripture tells me what it's like to live as though this world is not my home, um, I think of Colossians 3, 1, probably through maybe verse 4. But it talks about how since then we have been raised with Christ, that we set, our, we set our sights on the realities of heaven. And that Paul describes that our life is hidden with Christ and that there's going to be a day when his glory is revealed, um, kind of connecting back to this like unexpected time when mm-hmm. Christ is going to come back. And Paul's next instruction is to live live lives that are in line with um with the word of Christ fleeing sin um and it creates this interesting picture to me to where you know we're in the story of early in Genesis when at the beginning Eden was supposed to spread over the whole world man mm-hmm. was supposed to have dominion over everything but in s- when god gave us free will Instead of Eden spreading over the whole world, you have evil spreading over the whole world. And that's the stage that Genesis 6 sets, that the whole world is corrupt and evil. And then lastly, I would say, like I said at the beginning, this is a hard story. And today we end in the middle of the story. So um, one of the most important verses is chapter 8, verse 1, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But we're ending with the waters prevailing over the earth. And... With the connection to the Genesis 1 story, there's six statements right at the end here, um, starting in verse 18, if you want to follow along if you're not driving a car right now.
1: Yeah, if you are driving a car, please don't follow along or pull over.
0: So picking this up from the ESV, so verse 18, first verse, the waters prevailed. And then if you move on and count the verses um, going by the sentences, so it starts with the waters prevailed, and the waters prevailed, the waters prevailed... All flesh died. Everything died. He blotted out every living thing. And then you have the final verse 24 that says the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Wow! And so you have these six statements of decreation followed by this last statement of arresting of the waters and going back to the pre-created state where um, the waters prevailed and the land was wild and waste. Hmm. And I think a lot of us...
1: Recalling Genesis 1?
0: Mm-hmm. It speaks to me because I know that even myself and, peop- and either you or someone you know is also in the middle of a story that feels like um, they're beat up or hope is lost or it just doesn't seem like it's going to um, get better or work out for good. But um, in this, in chapter 7, is the first time that we hear this word covenant. And I think it's important to remember that there's there's these times in the story where we need to recognize that we're just in the middle of the story. But there's a God who has a covenant with us. And we'll see tomorrow how that kind of plays out. And we can share this type of story and come alongside others who are in the middle of that.
1: Yeah, the story's not over. Like God's up to something, even though it seems pretty bad. Yeah, I love it. Well, you guys, thanks for being here. We're out of time, but uh, I'm confident that the things you shared were helpful. I learned following along with y'all and and challenged to remember that the story's not over, regardless of the season I'm in. So thank you, Mandy and Paul. And as always, I am so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together